shooting me my ex. So today is October 5th, 2012. I've just gotten in my car. It's about um, 11.30 in the morning. I've been working at my Governor's Drive Starbucks. And I've been feeling irritated this morning a little bit. Um, I started feeling a little anxious before I left the house this morning. I could see that I was walking faster throughout the house. And I noticed that I just was kind of like driven with a, a, a serious sense of urgency. I'm trying to safeguard and protect myself from all distractions right now to get this gospel message uh, put on video. I, I filmed it and I felt such a huge release in my spirit. It felt like a climax, if you will, a spiritual climax where I have reached that place where all of the work, all of the stories, all the pushing the the rock up the proverbial mountain, all the effort has finally reached where the rock can start to fall the other side of the mountain. And that's now I've told the story, I've, I've started to put it together, and now I'm cheering Jesus Christ. And I'm getting closer and closer to being able to launch this thing. So... I feel this real urgency to not let any distractions in, and I'm, I'm even, you know, I heard my mom get off the telephone this morning, and I knew I needed to hurry up and disappear and go get in the shower because I didn't want to be distracted with having to hear about the conversation she just had. I have to have total focus right now, and I had, um, you know, normal cup of caf- normal cups of coffee this morning, so have that caffeine, but I just feel this, this huge urgency. I'm looking around at a a country full of people that are lost. Even the majority of Christians are headed in the wrong direction. They are lost. They are deceived. The enemy is winning in America right now, and people can't see it. They're spiritually blind. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter how I say it. It doesn't matter if I articulate it well, big words, small words. People are blind. Without the Spirit of God opening people's eyes right now, America is in trouble. And because I can see it, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I see it everywhere I go. People just going about their business as if this is the only thing there ever was. And the only thing that there ever will be is this little toontown that we live in. And Harmonyville here. That everything's great and all is well. And the, everything's just going to be peachy keen. And it's not. Things are falling apart. God is, is bringing judgment to America. I'm starting to see it. I'm feeling it. People that know the Lord are, are seeing it and feeling it. And it's it's coming from, from everywhere. And I am so concerned. And I'm carrying this burden. So I'm at work this morning. Working at the, the Starbucks there. Trying to edit my videos. And I hear this old man. You know. Telling this lady something about, you know, accounting principles and so and so and this executive and that executive. And he's apparently a former, you know, astrophysicist, engineer type guy. And he just is talking on and on and on. I mean, nonstop. And this guy is starting to irritate me. I'm listening to what he's talking about. And he's talking about it so seriously like it even matters. And it doesn't matter. It's just about business stuff and building a business. And. I'm already indignant over the type of energy and passion that men put into chasing their illusions. I'm trying so hard not to judge people because they don't know any different. If they've not had their spiritual eyes open, they can't know. 
but I'm I'm indignant in, in my core when I see the world just going to hell on a rocket ship. And this guy's just talking on and on and on. And finally he says, I'm sorry, I, I talk a lot, you know. And, and she says, oh, no, I, and politely tries to say she was interested. Fifteen minutes later, the guy is still yapping. This is after he had talked for 30 minutes. I realize I'm starting to get frustrated. I realize here I am sitting trying to work on the gospel message and I'm getting frustrated and frustrated. The enemy's winning. He's distracting me. So finally, I'm like, that's it. I'm out of here. And I got up and decided to leave. Now I just need to go catch my breath, put on some of this light piano music. I just need to stand against the enemy. He's trying to distract me. He's trying to leverage the fact that I feel this urgency. And he's trying to distract me from putting this message out. This is a great sign that there is going to be fruit, that he knows that this message is going to bear fruit. Here I'm thinking, oh, I didn't do it good enough. I didn't say all the things I needed to say. And the devil knows. So I'm speaking to him directly, telling him to lay his hands off. I've spoken to him to tell him in the name of Jesus Christ to get away from me, to flee from me, that I will not listen. And that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So now I'm just going to go catch my breath. This is me fighting the enemy. And this is an example of how it's done. I'm going to be very careful. He tried to irritate me with some email messages from the attorney this morning. So I have to be very careful. And I see how he's working this whole deal. I just have to be wise, trusting in the Lord. And the Lord is faithful and he will protect me and strengthen me against the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3. Today is uh, Tuesday, Election Day. It's uh, 5.05, and I just left uh, Starbucks Airport Road, and I've been working all day long, literally with the exception of stopping to eat with my parents to go out to lunch. I've been working all day long on getting uh, this video and the gospel message put together. I mean, I have literally have been working my hiney off for the last several weeks, just nonstop trying to put this story together and get this gospel. And last night I rendered the final message where I'm sharing the gospel. And this morning I watched it and I just, I wept because I was so excited to see that I finally got to tell people about Jesus Christ. And I am um, just so excited and looking forward to this. The enemy has just been playing with my mind so much um, as I've been going through this and causing doubt and telling me nobody's going to hear this, nobody cares. And you know, you're not telling it right, you're not doing this right, da-da-da-da-da, just all kinds of stuff. So I've just been ignoring him and just pressing on and pressing on. Well, today I finished. Okay, so today's the day I finished the gospel message. Um, now I'm just tying it into the rest of the story. I have been, th I've received two legal threats today um, just to kind of document how persistent the enemy is. I received a, uh, a threatening letter this morning about the hearings saying that if I don't pay the back child support that I can go to prison. And this again goes back to um, the fact that I did not pay the, the month of July and August for child support because at that time I was under a, quote, temporary standing order for child support ordered by a judge who retired. And uh, Judge Mara T. Smith never realized that I would be moving out of town and having my kids full-time during the summer. This was under the old um, time-sharing plan where I was living in Florida and I was getting them every other weekend and every other and every Wednesday night. And so I could not afford to pay child support um, for the two months that I had them full-time. It didn't make sense. How, how, if I could barely afford to pay child support before, how could I pay it 
you know, with them on top of me. So I, I did not pay that. Well, shortly after the court did go through and they were able to get the provision put in that I cannot not pay during the summertime, which, you know, what have you going forward, obviously I'm going to, you know, uh, abide by that, but that was not, um, the fact at that time. Well, now they're threatening that if I don't pay that, that I could end up in prison. And then, um, this evening I've checked my email and I've got another email from them. Um, first of all, setting a hearing in January, which I'll go to no problem. Um, for the contempt where they're trying to say that I've violated the parenting agreement and I'm not paying the child support and I broke Kaylee's arm, all these things that are just lies and just it's craziness. So I'll, I'll go to court in January for that, but then I, I received another notice this evening from them. So really three today. The other one was um, a, re a demand to produce, a request to produce. So now they are filing more legal documents now. I'm already divorced. I mean, this is just crazy that this keeps going on. And uh, it's a request to produce more income. I have to produce all my financial stuff again. You know, obviously they're convinced I'm lying and, and that I'm making more money than I am. And, and uh, so the enemy's just having a heyday. And um, I was driving over here and I just began to pray. And I'm like, Father, please stop the harassment, Lord. Please just put an end to the harassment. And I mean, just as soon as these words are coming out of my mouth, I hear... Uh, that my grace is sufficient for you, that this is this is very possibly uh, the thorn in the flesh, that I have, here I am telling this gargantuan story, this miraculous encounter that God has given me, this unbelievable thing that God has done, and uh, the, all these revelations God is sharing with me, and, you know, it stands that people might be drawn to it, people might, in fact, honor it, and might try to exalt not only the message, but me, um, even though I'm, I'm, you know, really guarding against that and steering people that, you know, so that they know this isn't me, this is the Lord. But um, I feel like the Lord may have, may be doing this for a reason. Just to, it keeps me so unbelievably dependent upon the Father, and so I trust Him for it. I, I've just put it all back in His hands. I've told Him how much I love Him and I thank Him. And you know, when you look at it, these things are just harassment. They're not huge issues, really. These things can be gigantic annoyances. They can be derailers of your train on life. But the, the, the switch is in your attitude. It's, it's whether or not you believe God is, is taking care of this behind the scenes, um, so forth and so on. And I just totally trust God and believe him for it. So these kind of things don't have the weight to me that they used to. It's just annoying. It's like a mosquito that's kind of just going around your face. So I'm just um, asking the Lord to get his fly water out. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Well, I got to go back in here now and I'm going to finish doing this work because I love my Lord and I can't wait to tell everybody about him. I've had a very long work day today. It's a uh, nine... 53. I'm just now getting in bed and finishing up my prayers and I uh, I've been working like non-stop all day sitting in my chair working on this video story and by the time I was done I was just um, just a little disappointed at how much time it's taking and I'm putting finding all my old pictures and having to scan photos and find old videos and Stuff like that to really try and make the story have some momentum and keep it to where it changes a lot. There's lots to look at so that it keeps people's attention and it's not just me talking. But unfortunately, I am so over my own story. 
it almost occurs to me just in this very moment that that may very well be one of the big reasons God has me doing this because I am so over me. I'm so sick and tired of looking at the videos and hearing me talk and I just want to hear about Jesus Christ. I just want to have the gospel part of that message that I filmed um, go out. And I notice there's a huge difference in my energy level in working with the video footage I'm working with now, which is me telling the early parts of the story and all the B-roll footage versus when I was working on the gospel. When I was working on that gospel, I feel the fire. I mean, the Spirit of God fills me up because I'm edifying the Spirit. The Spirit is edifying me, whereas with me, I'm lifting up myself right now. It's all a means to an end, but... I'm just so excited about hopefully being done with this in the next couple of days. I, in fact, rescheduled my video shoot tonight with Bobby Junkin because I know I'll have it finished by then. I'm very excited about getting it out. Several people are already very anxious to share it with some people they know that are going through some difficult times. So I'm really looking forward to it and just praying. But the big thing that I wanted to journal today is I noticed how, even though I've been sitting here working on this godly project, I, I felt distance from God. I felt uh, just detached because I focused so long and so hard on a task today. I didn't do any exercise other than to lift a little bit of weights this evening but and some push-ups, but I didn't go out. I didn't do nothing. I just, I, I left my room to eat and I came right back and started working. And that, that hard focus on just details and searching for stuff and fixing pictures, not having any time to think about the Lord or to, to, to talk about anybody else about the Lord, I got dry feeling. And so this evening, I got on my knees, and I put in some of my prayer meditation music, real light piano music, and just began to pray and talk to my sweet Jesus. And I felt that presence come back. I felt His presence come back to me. And then I went and just laid down for a little while on a tennis ball, and I uh, started listening to John 15, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, 15 and 16. Within just minutes, I started feeling, you know, being filled up again. This is what the Bible talks about. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. If you just go about your day like I did today, and you're just all about, you know, the grind, and you work, you know, just nonstop, and you don't take time to pause and reflect... You can run dry quick. I mean, I went today. It's the equivalent of, you know, going 15 hours without eating. I I cannot go that long without doing something, either a devotion or a message or prayer walk or something. You have to eat continually. And it's just interesting to me. It's very ironic because you would think that as far down the road as I've gotten compared to where I've been, that I'd be able to go longer periods of time without having to be hypervigilant in my you know, um, spiritual devotions and time with the Lord and all that, but it almost seems like I'm more sensitive to the loss of it than I've ever been. In other words, back when I was just a cultural Christian, I would have no problem going days without having, you know, a lot of godly activity or devotion time or prayer time or whatever. Now I can't go very, very long at all. It's crazy. I can't go more than a couple of hours without talking about God, thinking about Him, praying, or whatever, and I just, I got perturbed this evening, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta get on my knees, I need to speak to the Lord, I need to, to, to commune with Him, 
you know, I mean, the idea that Brother Lawrence says is, he says, never leave the Lord alone. He's your friend, he's your master, he's your teacher. Never leave him alone. See, so it's like, you know, think about it. The person of the Holy Spirit is here to dwell with you. Do you just ignore him throughout the day? I mean, that's that's kind of what I did, is I just basically had to ignore him today. And instead of stopping and checking in every once in a while, I, I prayed one time, but it wasn't enough. So I don't know, all this is very interesting. The further down this road I get, the less time I can go without communing with the Father. It seems interesting that Christ seems to have done the same thing. He would retreat often, it seems like, to get away from people and to get refueled up. So there's a principle there. You know, the higher octane you are in your faith, the more time you need with them. It's like, you know, the higher performance a car engine is, the more gas it takes. Okay, so I'm just finishing up a trail run here. It's a beautiful fall day. It is uh, the 8th of November. It's gorgeous outside. And I was on the run on the half last half. I began to think about success and money and financial planning and just kind of the whole theme of everything that, you know, my ministry is about. And this really radical thought comes to my mind. I mean, I've had this thought before, but I never sat on it very long and let it percolate or mature. This thought occurs to me that I cannot think of a single Christian person that I've ever met. I cannot think of a single one in all the people that I've met. And they will remain nameless because these are a lot of them are well-known or, or somewhat famous people or very successful businessmen. I'm trying to think. I cannot think of a single one of those that I believe is a true, devout follower of Christ where they have placed nothing before their relationship with Him. On the contrary, what I see is a... I see the, the, the words of Christ being true where He says, It is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. What He's saying is, is that it's next to impossible. Then he goes on to say, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And we know that that rich young man didn't make it into heaven. He walked away sorrowful. He wasn't willing to give up his stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking about all the people I've met. Big companies, very successful companies, small companies, all over. I cannot think of a single person, not a single one that I would say yes that person is a true, devout follower of Christ. And at any moment, if everything was wiped away, clean, gone, they would have no qualms whatsoever and they would just turn around and minister to whoever was sitting next to them. That is not the case. What I see is a majority of Christian businessmen are driven to succeed. They're still trying to find their security and their identity and their success. They're still trying to play leapfrog. They are still trying to better themselves, one-up their colleagues, and they throw this cherry on top called Jesus Christ and think that that justifies the chase for all the success. I mean, I honest to goodness cannot think of a single person that I know that has of any kind of money whatsoever, including me. That was not me. I was still chasing the money and the success, and I think to myself, 
you know, people would argue and say, well, hey, these people are providing jobs, and hey, these people are doing this and providing that. Yeah, the reality is God does not need that person for that reason. What God wants is that person to follow the obedience of Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anything about chasing or desiring success. You hear all these people say Christians are supposed to be successful. God wants you to be successful. That's not true. Not based upon the definition that we use for success. God's definition of success is being totally obedient and completely letting go of the results, trusting God for whatever. If God decides to have your next-door neighbor die and they have $10 million and they give it to you, God only gives that to you because he knows that he can trust you with it and it's not going to take you away from what he calls success, which is being obedient and seeking him first. That is the truth. But the reality is success as a Christian, according to the Bible, is giving ourselves over to death every day on behalf of Christ, enduring through suffering, fighting the good fight, and continuing on in spite of the fact that our circumstances are less than ideal. How much more brilliant is heaven going to be when we get there and discover that everything our heart's been longing for has been there, and that because of this struggle to get there, it makes it taste so much sweeter. Yet if your life is so perfect and wonderful and glorious here, what would there to be looked forward to? No wonder so many people don't want to die. They think this is all there is to it. Christ himself said, I tell you the truth, any man who finds his life shall lose it, but any man who loses his life shall find it. People just, we are so deceived, the enemy and the world, the spirit of the world is so strong. Tozer says it best, it gets on us like a campfire, but I want to go out and I'm going to really speak the truth and I'm going to speak against the American ideal of chasing success. People are going to hate it, I'm going to be persecuted. And you know what? That's just tough. I don't care. I know this is a word that the Lord has given me, and I'm going to go out and speak it, and speak it boldly and in loving. The, uh, the motive is to get people to turn back to Christ. It is to get people to find a level of joy and love that no amount of money could ever replace. It is to break people free from the deception that says, my life and purpose is to create jobs, to make money, to to be successful to build a little bit bigger company than the guy next door to provide this solution that is not some yes god does use some people to do certain things but i have to when i sit here and look at this i can't think of a single person who i would say god looks down on that person granted i don't know their whole hearts i can't be a judge of someone's total character i can certainly judge mine um but even then jesus christ uh, paul says I, I i don't even judge myself because god almighty is the one who is the ultimate judge but and here's my final point. I can recall all these times I was with these people. All these meetings where I was with all these big shot, high level Christian leaders and business owners. And behind closed doors, even times where it was one on one with people that ran huge companies. I can't think of a single time where a person brought up God or talked to me about, as a young person about their love for the Lord or tried to encourage me in the Lord. No, on the contrary... What was the conversation always about? It was always about business unless I brought up God. That's the truth. Okay, so today is Friday, November 9th. I'm out on a walk on, at Aldridge Creek. and It is an absolute amazing, gorgeous day. It's probably about 62, 65, somewhere like that outside. And beautiful, sunny, great day. Um, I just want to journal... Um, what I just what just happened yesterday morning 
I saw uh, 666 on the television while I was just talking with my parents for just one second. I looked over and happened to see the, the 666. I'm like, okay, all right, something's coming. Sure enough, that afternoon, I receive a letter from um, his attorney, and it's the request for me to produce more financial documents. So even though we're divorced, they just continue with this harassment. It is nonstop. They just keep on going after me for one thing after another. So I was so thankful that the father warned me. I still just, it is the most difficult thing for me to believe this 666 thing. I mean, I have been walking this out for two years now and it happens 100% of the time and it's just the most unbelievable thing. Like, it is so powerful. It has built my faith up in God so much. I realized the other day that if an alien landed in my backyard and said to me that Jesus was a lie, I'd tell him to hit the road. Um, because that's what this, this has, this is one of those things where no Roger Dawkins, the God delusion atheist, no scientific, you know, imbecile, no, you know, movie called the zeitgeist where they try and suggest that the story of Jesus Christ has been basically, you know, uh, plagiarized over and over and over and over again in cultures that have exist, existed for thousands of years starting in Egypt. Nobody can take away what I've experienced. There was a day when I read the Bible and I believed it because I wanted to believe it and because the Bible said I needed to have faith and because those that were teaching me the Bible said I had to have faith. And I believed them. And there was enough in the Bible that made sense to me for me to believe that it was a message of eternal life and hope and love and redemption from wrongs and solutions for, for human problems and evil. And I saw enough in there that I thought, this is, yes, this is what I want. This is what my soul yearns for. So there seemed to be kind of a blueprint match. You know, my spiritual DNA seemed to long for the message of the Bible, even from the very get-go. But then, of course, the question begs, you know, is the Bible authentic? Is it real? Is it just been you know, a book written by men over thousands of years and plagiarized and was it just, for, you know, used for the purposes of controlling people, religion. It was, a you know, a way that the, the you know, the powerful people and the governments and the kings could give people a reason to fear them and to, to, to keep order and prevent chaos. You know, or is it in fact the living, breathing, air-free word of God inspired of the Holy Spirit written by men that God chose over 2,000 years? So, you know, you believe and then you start to see little things. God kind of builds your faith up in the beginning and, you know, kind of just skipping forward. I'm at this place now where so many things have happened supernaturally. There is nothing that could take my faith away unless God himself allowed it to happen. I mean, I, my faith is so strong. I'm not saying I don't have days where I don't doubt my circumstances or difficult times, but to doubt God after what he has done, if all I do is just remember just the one number of, you know, 20 or 30 that he's shown me, this number 666, two years now, every single time God warns me. And, and he's been teaching me so much. And I, I've often wondered, you know, why does he keep warning me? Why does he keep showing me? And I think that the big message that God has been trying to get me to get so that I can share with others how much of life is actually a spiritual battle. There is so much more to this life than we can see 
with our five senses, hear, feel, taste, touch, smell. There's so much more going on than what we're aware of in this little finite dimension that we live in, you know, and I think God has really just been turning my eyes on. It's so easy to just kind of live in the world and turn your TV on and extra, extra, you know, and Dateline, NBC, and the news, and just, you know, little Pillsbury Doughboy commercials, and all the things that make us feel good, the kid drinking Welch's, and, you know, Disney commercials, and it's so easy to just get caught up in this cocoon of la-la land that it's so difficult for us to realize that we are spiritual beings having the human experience, that the majority of the things that influence our lives are, are taking place in the spiritual realm, both good and evil. And we don't pay attention to them. And now God continues to show me this, and it's just fascinating. So yesterday I see this 666. Today I get the email from having requested that I was going to go to you know pick up the kids for Thanksgiving, meet halfway, because she's supposed to pick them up, I'm supposed to get them. And so I said, hey, let's just do the halfway thing. So neither one of us has to do an overnight stay. And, of course, she replies back today, sorry, Michael, I can't help you. I can't financially afford this. My parents have helped out so much this summer with trips, and, you know, they've paid for all these legal fees, and, you know, the kids are going to have to have homework, and I just can't do it, and I can't use my car, and, you know, but you can come get them, but they're going to have to do homework Monday through Wednesday, da-da-da-da-da-da. It just, so, basically, it's all stuff to intentionally make it very difficult for me. So, the, 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 you know, she was basically saying, you know, you're behind on child support and, you know, da 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 and blaming it all on me. And, you know, the legal fees I've had to pay and so forth and so on. So here's, here's the, the lesson in this is when I get an email like this, instantly I can feel my flesh begin to react at the unfairness, the deliberate evil, just the wickedness of it all. And um, just the insanity, to be honest with you, the insanity of a person who can think that Somehow or another, they're the person that's the victim after all that this individual has done. But while I was sitting at my computer, I was organizing some files. I looked up and saw that there was 1,666 files in a certain folder. And there was the 666. Again, God reminding me that this is a spiritual battle. And this is so critical. This is one of the big lessons is that so many people think that they can handle the disagreements they're having, the wrongs that are being committed against them, they think they can handle it in their five senses. They reason that if somebody says something wrong to them, or if somebody slanders them, or if somebody does something that's unfair, they reason that they need to think through it, strategize, manipulate back, or prove the person wrong, or answer that person, or try to figure out a way to solve the problem. And, and they're trying to do this in their five senses. Because that's, where, of course, where you feel the pain, you feel the angst, you process what's going on in your mind and all that. Meanwhile, you've just completely gone underwater. You can't see the surface. You're, 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 you're below the surface and you can't see where you're going. The reality is it is a spiritual battle. And what God has continually tried to remind me is, Michael, don't address this in the natural. Don't address that problem. I had a, a friend of mine who was going through a terrible divorce situation, and the same thing, his wife was just having an absolute meltdown, and she was just a total lack of integrity, um, really just kind of went nutty on, on the guy. 
and was throwing up all kinds of Christianity stuff and craziness against the guy and this, that, and the other. And he, he felt compelled every single time she'd send a text message to ply back. And I finally got to the point where I tried to explain to him. I said, look, man, you are trying to answer a problem that is spiritual in nature in your natural nature, the five senses. It's never going to work. It's never going to happen. And not only that, but you're trying to negotiate with the devil. You're trying to have an argument with the devil. When a person is under that kind of anger and a person is being directed outside of God's will, the Bible says, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. He said to those that didn't follow and obey God that they were children of their father, the devil. So we can see that even the Bible says that man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Does not bring about the purposes of God. So the idea is, I want, my instinct is to quickly argue back. My instinct would be to say, you know, even though I'm not angry at her anymore, because the old me would have said, are you effing nuts? Are you crazy? I mean, you know, that would have been the first gut instinct of, of my unregenerate, unsaved self. And, you know, something like you see in the movies. And now, um, my response, even on a more normal, calm level, would be to say, don't you get this? You're the one who has spent all this money. You're the one who has repeatedly lied. You're the one who's so blinded by anger that you can't see the truth. You're the one that da-da-da-da-da-da-da decided you wanted to come up in Alabama. You're the one that keeps spending all the legal fees. I'm the one that had to spend 15000 to battle back to try to, to, to even, to, or not battle back, but just to answer your, your lawsuits. And you're the one that keeps this going. I would love so much to say that kind of a thing to her. But the reality is it will do absolutely no good except for to frustrate me and to put me in a position of being defeated by the enemy. That is the lesson that we must learn, is that the number one thing the enemy wants to do is to push enough buttons to get us to take an action, to react. That's how he wins. If he can mess with our mind, if he can use the ills and the deception of other people and the brokenness of other people to hurt us, to wound us such that we react back, now we've just sinned. Now we've just separated ourselves from God. We've taken off our breastplate of righteousness and we've begun to be defeated. Versus recognizing it's a spiritual battle. If I drop a spoon on the floor, that's not a spiritual battle. I need to, in the natural sense, bend down, pick it up, put it back where it belongs. But when a person that does not fear God is being disobedient, then you can recognize that it is a spiritual battle. That person is being manipulated. God has shown me this multiple times that she has yielded herself to Satan. She didn't do it consciously, but subconsciously she has so lost control of herself and so lost touch with reality, she is now yielding herself fully to Satan and Satan is using her to try to hurt me, to destroy me, to get me outside of God's will, to render me fruitless, so forth and so on. And I, instead, am going to choose to obey the Father and uh, recognize that it's a spiritual battle and I'm going to pray my way and ask God for His help through this rather than try to answer it in my five senses. So anyhow, I just want to wrap up this idea by saying that this is the time where you stand and you pray. 
And I basically handed it all over to the Lord, told the Father that I know He sees this, that He sees the wrongs, and that I trust Him to take care of it. I trust Him to guide and direct my steps, and I trust Him to fight the battle, not me. And then I, and then I just let it go. That's what I do every single time this happens, is I just let it go. And I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to carry it. I can totally trust the Father to help me with this. And um, it's just awesome. It's so freeing. And then within minutes, I'm back laughing. And, you know, it's just not, nothing better than trusting the Lord. Things have been pretty incredible with my mom and I's relationship over the last couple of months, ever since I had that one trip where I went to the Reinhard Bunky place uh, in that, whatever date that trip was, and I just came back totally humbled, and it, it's been going great, and of course now with me working on this project so much, um, there's been all kinds of attacks, I saw 666 today, and um, it's coming from my mom again, now, we had another episode tonight, and uh, I was very tired, even my kids, Kaylee said, Dad, you sound different. I said, honey, it's because daddy's so tired, and I'm so tired. I had just said, oh, I'm so tired. I walked into the kitchen, and of course my mom has been saying for her famous last words are, I just don't know how you can afford that. I don't know how you're going to be able to afford it. And that's my mom's passive-aggressive way of getting out her fear. She can't help herself. She has to speak it. If it comes into her mind, she has to dump it, and she does. And uh, it's her fear that comes out. I'm normally okay with it, but I'm just tired. I walked down there, how are the kids doing? That was her just inauthentically asking a question so she could interject and say, well, I don't know how you can afford to go down there. I mean, I don't know how you can afford it. And I said, Mom, you say that about every other day to me, and somehow or another, I always afford it. Well, I mean, do you just do you not think I'm good with money? Do you not think I know how to use money? Do you, not, do you think I'm a dumb? And I was like, oh boy, here we go again. Unbelievable. Right back to the same old behavior. Nothing's changed. I said, Mom, you've said that to me probably a hundred times since I've lived here. And um, and she said, that's when she said, do you think I'm dumb? Da, da, da. And I just said, I started to walk away. And I just said, okay, good night. And I completely walked away from it instead of engaging. The enemy is looking really, really close right now. He's watching really close, looking for ways to try and trip me up. Drive a little wedge between me and my mom again, which he just did a little bit. But that's all right. I walked away and in the morning... I'm going to pretend like it never even happened. I totally forgive her because I know who it is. And so right now I'm going to take the time to process to read through spiritual warfare. Um, uh, scriptures that I wrote down the other day. And I'm just going to take the time to get on my knees. I'm going to give it to the Father and I'm going to trust Him. But this is, this is a good sign. This is a test. And by God's grace I'm passing it. And uh, I'm not going to let the enemy have the upper hand in here because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. This is all a sign. Um, the heat that's been coming on me, it's incredible. The attacks are back on every single day. Now, sometimes multiple times a day, here I am working to get the gospel out. This is part of the deal. When you are working with Jesus Christ and you are presenting the gospel, you are a target. And um, I think it's so awesome that something like this would have happened a long time ago, six months ago. I might have gotten bent out of shape. I might have had to go take a walk. I might have had to call somebody, email somebody. Not anymore. 
I just I see where it comes from. When you know that it's from the enemy, when you know that it's spiritual attack, you can quickly look through that other person and see where it's coming from. I went in the bathroom and I said, Get behind me, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I have a smile on my face. It's not on me. And I am so thankful in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the strength of the gospel. This is the strength of God's grace. This is the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for those who will walk in faith and in trust in it. This is incredible. I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's an adventure to see the battle. And I am so thankful to God that I am in the battle. I'm so thankful that He found me worthy to be in this battle. And I'm so thankful that the message I'm bringing and the work I'm doing is worthy enough to stir the enemy up. That means I'm headed in the right direction. And I count it a privilege and an honor to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, I'm, I just got another wonderful little enemy attack last night. So it's now starting to happen on pretty much an everyday basis while I'm working on this project. I actually come in from working on the project. Um, come here and my parents have got several friends over, including two people I introduced them to. Dr. Jim and his wife Sandra, and I just came out and said, "Hey, everybody! You guys having a senior party and didn't invite me?" And you know, everybody's always very friendly and they're always nice to me when I see them and stuff like that. So I just wanted to say hi before I took off. And I wasn't out here 30 seconds, and my mom says, "Here, eat this sandwich." I'm in the middle of talking to people, and she's like, "Here, eat this sandwich," and just puts it in my face. I'm like, "Oh no, that's all right, mom. I'm good." She goes, "Oh well, well uh, here, take it into the kitchen." And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not going there right now, so just, just set it down. No, 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 take it now. And I'm like, Mom, just set it over there. I'm not going in right now. I'm not eight years old anymore. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I hadn't been here for 30 seconds. I'm in the middle of introducing myself, saying hi to everybody. And my mom treats me like I'm some eight-year-old child, like ordering me around like I'm her little servant person. And she finally took it and went inside and disappeared for a couple of minutes. I know she was probably in there venting. I just couldn't believe it that she would do something so disrespectful. Um, you know, like expect for me to just be her little butler and take the sandwich in while I'm in the middle of introducing myself to people and saying hello. So I have woken up this morning thinking about it. The enemy's been having a heyday. I woke up, I looked at my clock. The first thing, it said 6-11. Ephesians 6 11, put on the full armor of God so that you may stand against the schemes of the enemy. And uh, so I see it for what it is. And so now I'm just working it through in my mind and in my heart. I got on my knees and gave it to the Lord this morning. But I keep processing it in my mind, thinking about what the next conversation is going to be. And that's exactly what the devil wants me to do is he wants me to prepare to defend myself. Um, when in fact what I need to do is just forgive my mom of the offense and forget about it and you know I'm not 100% sure what the Lord would have me do if she brings it up because it's like it's arguing with the devil how do you argue with the devil you don't so I'm basically going to just let my mom say whatever she has to say and then I'll just say okay I'm glad you see it that way or whatever or and I'll, I'll walk away you know because you can't you can't reason the Bible says um, to correct a mocker is to invite insult and my mom is obstinate. She's hard-hearted. Uh, she doesn't care about anything that has to do with God. And um, in fact, she, you know, she's right back to basically starting to be used of the devil, and she doesn't even realize it. 
Um, that's why I forgive her because she doesn't realize it, but she's being used of the devil to, to persecute me and to um, disrespect me and to accuse me. So I've noticed that things have been substantially different. After I went to Florida for a month, I came back and my mom was not the same person anymore. The first conversation we had about politics, my mom had to exit the conversation in the first couple of minutes because Bob and I were trying to explain to her that possibility of a documentary movie proving that Barack Obama uh, in his whole presidency was a lie and uh, that he was, you know, just you know, so much fraud to put him in that office. And within minutes, she could completely shut down. You could just see the antagonism. And so, uh, anyhow, so I just wanted to capture this. And uh, it once again, I praise the Lord God Almighty because I, I, I know, as I see the devil turning up the heat, I know what this means. I know this means I am headed on the right track. He is, he is all about trying to discourage, trying to distract um, Christians from walking with the Lord and from filling their destiny with the Father. I can see as I look back on all the history of this and the moments where I was really starting to press into God, moments where I was really discouraged, um, you know, about where I was at in my spiritual walk, where I was at, you know, where, why was I living here, where am I going to go, what am I going to do, I could see where he would turn the heat up on me. And now that I'm getting so excited about telling this story and, and hopes of praying, you know, getting the gospel out there, I can see here he is again. So this is so important. This is part of the, the importance of having a body of Christ. I'm isolated when I'm here. I don't have any friends that I can run to. It's only people on the phone I don't have anybody that I can go hang around with and talk shop, you know, God talk for two hours and get filled up. So it's more difficult here because, you know, I'm, I'm alone. Uh, it's just me and the Father, which is not saying that that's not enough, but there's a reason why God calls us into community. And so I just pray in the Lord's timing that uh, I'll figure out where I'm going to eventually live, here or Florida, and I can get back plugged into some community. Right now it's time to do my Bible study. I want to do this journal recording right now because I, I want to make sure that I record how I'm feeling in this moment. I want to make sure that I never forget <clears throat> when I'm on the other side of this and the days of victory are, are, are greater than the days of brokenness and hurt. I want to never forget how I feel in this moment. I never, ever want to forget when I'm beginning to help so many other people. And I'm ex receiving daily the joy uh, of, of seeing the, the, the kingdom fruit come about as a result of the destruction, as a result of the wheat that died in my life that has now sprung to life and, and will be bringing out more um, grains of wheat. I just want to make sure that I never forget how I'm feeling today. I am... Um, you know, walked in the house and my mom is completely stonewalling me again. All because of what happened last night, which I had recorded earlier about where I came outside to greet all the people that were on the back porch. Hey, everybody. And everybody was okay. And 45 seconds into it, my mom turns me around away from the people to say, here, here's a sandwich for you that you can have. And I said, oh, no. I said, I'm, 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 I'm good. I already ate. And it was in a bag and she tried to hand it to me. And she said, oh, no, no, just take it. And I said, no, mom, I, I don't need it right now. She goes, well, then take it to the kitchen. I'm standing there greeting other people. My mom's now telling me to leave, take this sandwich that she doesn't want on her table that she put there and to go take it in the kitchen. 
And I said, no, 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 you can just leave it there. I'm, I'm not headed to the kitchen right now. And she just stood there like she was demanding me to take the sandwich. And I said, no, you can just, just set it over there, Mom. And she just kind of gave me this look, and I finally had to turn around and say, I'm not eight years old, Mom. And that, of course, ruined my mother. That is the perfect opportunity um, to offend my mother. It is just amazing to me how this works. <clears throat> the devil works the exact same way in the lives of these two women, my ex-wife and my mom, the exact same way. And the way it works is they will say something that is offensive. They will do something that is disrespectful. They will do something that is only focused. My mom was only thinking about herself in that moment. All she could think of is that there's a sandwich in a brown Arby's bag on her door at her dinner party, I mean, uh, on her table that she doesn't want. So she sees me and I look like the guy to get rid of it. And I didn't put it there. And I was in the middle of greeting people. If I was on my way to the kitchen, I would have taken it. No problem. But I had just walked outside. I'm in the middle of greeting people. So that happens. That's uh, the, the instance occurs where the person offends. And finally, after my mom did this for th about three times, I finally, I have to then respond in such a strong way to let her know, maybe you're just not getting it. I'm not going to leave greeting these people to take that sandwich that I didn't buy, I didn't put on the table, and I don't want to eat into the kitchen. That's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And finally, to get her to get it, I have to respond in kind, meaning I have to kick up my notch to get the person to get it. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you respond to their offense, your offense is the only thing that's remembered. What you did is the only thing that's remembered as being disrespectful. It is absolutely incredible to see how this works so consistently. This is the exact way it worked with Carrie, and it's the exact way it always worked with my mom. My mom will badger me about insurance or about the divorce until I can't take it. I'll ask her two or three times nicely, um, no thanks, Mom, I, I really don't want to talk about that now, or I got it taken care of. She just keeps on badgering me to her. Finally, I have to respond in a way that's not gentle, that's not kind, um, that's not, you know, submissive. And then, of course, I become the guilty one. So I've been going through this, and now my mom is pouting. She's stonewalling and ignoring me. And, of course, I've been thinking a lot about well, how am I going to respond. Now I have to deal with my mom's, you know, disgruntled behavior, and she's all, you know, going to try and manipulate the circumstances. And I'm just so over this kind of behavior. My mom... This is just ridiculous. This has been a year and a half now. It never goes away. And she's totally blinded. She can't see the truth. Not at all. And the enemy uses her. So I was kind of getting down about it. And then I began to rejoice because I realized as I talked with Gustavo today, I began to share with him that this is the exact kind of persecution that Jesus Christ said that if you're not receiving persecution, that you may be out of line with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. John Piper is saying that Jesus warned if there's no persecution, it may be a sign that you're more like a false prophet than like Jesus. So I just began to rejoice in this and... Um, hung up the phone with Gustavo, walked in here, flipped on the channel on, on TBN, and Jensen Franklin was on there talking about the whisper of God, and he's talking about Elijah. Um, 
in the book of 1 Kings 19. He'd been hiding in a cave. His world's fallen apart. And he hears a whisper of God to come out. Time to come out of the cave. And I was sitting there listening to this going, man, this is exactly um, like my kind of story. And uh, I need to go read that further. But I just began to remember in that moment that God sustained me by his voice, by directing me. The very thing that kept me from dying spiritually, dying emotionally and physiologically, physically, was God speaking to me. The numbers. God knew how to communicate to me and he just so happened to choose numbers to communicate the whispers of his words and to guide me and direct me. And so even though my world was falling apart and my own mother was persecuting me, my ex-wife was persecuting me, my children have been taken and I've lost all these things, God's voice sustained me. No matter what you're going through, if you can position yourself to hear from God, it will sustain you and it will carry you through the storm. God will deliver you in the storm. And I just want to remember, I don't ever want to forget the anxiety that I feel inside my heart, the anxiousness that comes on when somebody offends you, uh, somebody does something so wrong, it can be just really painful. Um, But the goal is, fix my eyes on Jesus Christ, recognize here I am trying to put the gospel out there on the internet, my story. The devil is fighting against me tooth and nail, this is to be expected. My God will deliver me. He will strengthen me against the evil one. I have faith in him. No matter what the devil tries to do to me, nothing can happen to me that God does not allow. Period. End of story. The devil cannot do the first thing to me that God does not allow. He cannot do the first thing to anyone that God does not allow. He is a pit bull, but he's on a leash. And his owner is the fiercest, most awesome creation ever and he's not even a creation he's the creator that's the way wrong thing to say god is not creation he's the most fiercest thing that's ever existed and so anyhow i am tired i just wanted to lay this down real quick so i don't forget how i'm feeling and i never ever want to forget this this moment what it's like to be when you're all alone wrongs are being committed against you you're being treated harshly by those that love you maybe those that are the closest to you you don't think anybody can see you don't believe justice is going to come it's hurt you feel all alone and yet god and yet god he sees and he is faithful praise the name of the lord jesus christ Hi, this is Michael. It's 2019 while I'm editing these recordings and I want to pause here and end this particular recording by giving a little bit more explanation about what you're hearing about my mother and I's relationship and also to take out a little bit of the shock factor that some of you may be hearing as I openly, transparently share the struggles about my mom and I's relationship and her sins against me in this period. Many of you do not know that years after this, my mother and I are going to sit down on videotape together. It's on YouTube where we are going to very transparently and openly share about how my mom was used for a time by Satan to persecute me and torment me and how it was that God positioned me in front of my mother 
so that she could really begin to see that Jesus Christ was real and she would come to faith. I am beyond blessed. I cannot put it into words when I tell you how blessed I am to have the mom that I have today. And when I look back and hear how my mom had been taken captive by Satan, by her own spiritual blindness, to be used to torment me, to persecute me, to afflict me. When I look back on those moments like you just heard in this recording, and there's going to be quite a few more as we go forward. This was going to be a long, painful relationship. And then I think about what I have with my mom now and how just in the last month, I have had to honor my mother repeatedly to people that she doesn't even know about because my mother has more and more walked with Christ in a real faith, really trusting him. And she has been changing and changing and changing. My mom not only became a believer in Jesus Christ, but she also began to really be sold out for him, to lay her life down in practical ways, denying her flesh, denying herself and trusting God to give her grace. And just in the last month, while I'm actually sitting here editing all these recordings, it is so beautiful for me to be able to tell you that I delight in seeing my mother now. When my mom and I run into each other in the kitchen, we like to talk. If, we, if my parents are sitting on the back porch, I like to go out and talk with them. When they went on a vacation recently, I miss them so much. You know, I could not imagine being able to feel how I feel about my mom right now uh, like I did when you just heard this recording and then even times after where it just got worse and worse and worse to the point where I had to say, Mom, I, I love you because you brought me on this earth. I respect you as my mom, but I do not like you. I had to tell my mom this and I don't think she liked me very much either. My mom had spiritual blindness and she was being used of Satan, literally, not just her flesh, but she was being used of Satan to torment me, to persecute me. And listen, God was allowing all of this for a reason. God caused me to move into their house for a reason. It became a prison sentence for me for a reason. He allowed my mom to ride over my head for a reason. He put me through the fire and through the water for a reason. Psalm 66, verses 10 through 12, because he was going to eventually, verse 12, bring me into a place of spiritual abundance. God was using a Romans 8, 28 approach, using my mom's unbelief and spiritual blindness to afflict me, to rot the character of Christ into my heart. And what I hear when I hear these recordings, I hear a man who's learning how to fight spiritual battles. I hear a man who's learning how to deny himself. I hear a man who's learning how to take up his cross. And I hear a man who's learning how to become a great tattletale to his daddy rather than being overcome by evil. He overcomes evil with good and he goes and takes all the evil to his daddy and tattletales. And what I mean by this is that behind the scenes, a lot of these times when my mom would really afflict me and say something very hurtful, I would go to my room. I would quietly walk out of the room. I would go to my room if it was exceptionally hurtful. I'd get on my knees and put my face on the floor and I'd say, Father, you heard what my mom just said about me. 
God, what she said was either untrue or unkind. It was very painful. It hurts when my mom speaks to me like this. God, I, I get so angry and I would pour out whatever it was, my hurts. God, I can't stand it when she does that. And I always gave full vent to the Father about how I felt. The Bible says, pour out all of your anxieties on Him. Cast all of your anxieties on Him. Pour your hearts out to Him, for God is a refuge, and God cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7. So I did this, and what I found is that when I would get up off the floor, it's like I took the offense off of my plate, off of my backpack, and I moved it onto God's. And God can carry that burden. And then I'd be able to get up and I'd be able to go back into the game without having resentment, without having all these crazy, horrible thoughts about, oh, I can't stand my mom doing this. And without me being offended, I was able and prepared to take the next offense. And what I had to do is I repeatedly had to go back to Father and say, Lord God, you heard what she said again. I'd take up my cross. You hear me? I'm, I'm quoting scriptures. I'm fighting Satan. And listen, this was something that was going to take years this was not something that was going to end quick, that I was going to get spiritual warfare down, be able to bind Satan and throw him into the pit in my life so that I had free. No way. There was going to be years of assault and persecution and difficulty in this. And even after, three and a half years after this goes, four years by after this goes, there would be years down the road later where my mom would go in a different direction in her faith, which I could not agree with again. Now, the animosity in between us was totally different. I just kind of had to separate for a time. But look at what God has wrought. My mom has turned into like an evangelist. You wouldn't believe it. My parents just went on vacation and they're out in restaurants praying for people and having God encounters through Christ. Everywhere she goes, my mom talks about Jesus Christ. She is on fire for the Lord. She's in the Bible every single day. She's studying it. She's learning it. And now most importantly, I have begun to see my mom grow in spiritual maturity, denying herself. I'm seeing my mom speak to me and respect me in ways she has never respected me in her entire life. This is what happens when you give Jesus Christ the reins of your life. This is what happens when you patiently endure and you patiently wait. I want to tell you, I thank God in the heavens above for what he's done in my mom's heart. It is a miracle that I'm testifying to you today. And you should know that my mom agreed to be transparent about our faults. And my mom recognizes and she speaks openly that she had been taken captive by Satan to do harm to me. And, and this was not my mom that was doing this to me. She had been taken captive through her own disobedience, through her own unbelief, through her own half-hearted, quote, religion, she had been taken captive. And she did these very hurtful things to me. And again, God was Romans 8, 28-ing these things all around to bring about deep spiritual character in me, to parent me, to, to, to train me up how to be a man of God, to teach me how to be long-suffering, to teach me how to do spiritual battle, to give me humility, to give me stronger trust in God, to give me track records of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of answered prayers where I cry out to God, Father, give me grace, give me strength in this. And the Lord does. My friends, God is with me. He continues to bless me. He continues to, no matter what I've been through, God is always with me. And He can always be with you. He can always be with you. Please continue to listen to these recordings and be blessed. What you're hearing is real, practical, rubber meets the road faith. How I got from there to here. And be blessed to know that the things that I'm telling you in these recordings, they worked. 
because they're the principles of God. They're the word of God. And now when I go home, I, I get to look at my mom when I see her and tell her how delighted I am to have her as a mom. I've fallen back in love with my parents. I love being around my parents. I love being around my mom now. It's an absolute delight. You cannot imagine the blessing that God had for me in this. When you listen to how difficult it was and how persistent the evil was against me. And I have forgiven my mom of all things and we, we laugh and we tease each other now. When you hear some of these painful moments that you hear me talking about, and there's gonna be many more, you can know now Michael and his mom laugh about these things now. We have like a Job 5.22 thing going on where God has said to us, you will laugh at destruction. We have laughed at destruction. This is all by the grace and the wonderful power, love and redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. May this be your experience in your life. May you continue to glean all that you can from this experience. Put it into practice in your own life. God is not a God of favoritisms. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. God bless you in Jesus' name.